0: gm on a fireball hot take friday espn 1025 the game he's the gm floyd reese gm how are you i am outstanding good 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 Uh, we got a lot to get into today we got the predators how about that butt kicking last night i i have later today in the show and i know you're not going to want to do this floyd but we're going to do it anyways the hal gill 10 game benchmark has now officially been surpassed
1: okay that- I,
0: feel as, I feel as if the Hal Gill 10-game benchmark counts for something. <laughs> and they're at the 10-game benchmark. Okay. So we'll get to that. But I want to start on Tampa Bay, Floyd. And I know you're worried about Tampa Bay, right?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay. I'm worried about Tampa Bay, too, because they hung 60 points on the Rams. And anytime you hang 60 points on the Rams, you got to be doing something right. But where I really worry about this game and what I'm trying to wrap my head around is is I look at the players on Tampa Bay's team, and I wonder to myself, why is Tampa Bay so mediocre year in and year out? They have good players, not just Mike Evans, but they have Indomitian Sue, They have Winston, who's capable of throwing for 500 yards in a game. They've got Godwin at wide receiver. They've got two good tight ends. They've got good players on defense. And yet, every year, Tampa is 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine or... Maybe, if they're lucky, 9-7. and seven. What is up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
1: Well, I mean, I think they're just what we talk about on a weekly basis, daily basis, really. They're one of those teams that lack consistency, and it's led by the quarterback. You know, the quarterback can go out and put hang 60 points on on somebody, and then, you know, the next week have six turnovers. So you know until they get to a point they they eliminate those things those negative issues then they're going to struggle they're not you know they are in my mind one of those teams that's polarized you know it's got some really really good players as good as any in the league you know they've got leading receivers they've got a leading sacker they've got some people that are really really quality players and then they've got some that, you know, are, are shaky. And, and all teams do. But it seems like they've got four or five or six guys that are big-time players. And then they've got, you know, where a lot of teams maybe have one or two of the of the little bit of shaky shakiness in them. It seems like they've got four or five or six of those guys, too. So, um, you know, I think until they get that kind of balanced out, It's going to be – they're going to struggle a little bit. But, I mean, it's like, you know, I think we – you know, a lot of people looked at our team and said, hey, part of the reason they can't be consistent is because, you know, Marcus wasn't consistent. And I think that's what you would say about them. Their quarterback does not allow them to be consistent.
0: It's like everything that they do well, the opposite of that they do poorly. For example, they're fourth in the league in points scored. I mean, fourth in the league in points scored, I think that that is legitimately better than any Titans team you were ever general manager of. Fourth in the league in points scored. You know what they are defensively? 30th. So they're great at scoring, but they give up a bunch. What are they in forcing turnovers? They're sixth in the league in forcing turnovers. That's pretty good. They're 28th in turning it over. They're ninth in passing. They're 32nd in passing defense. They're number one in rush defense. They're twenty-one in rush offense. I'm not sure I've ever, I can ever remember a team where everything that they do well, the opposite of that, they do they do poorly at least from a statistic standpoint, like the Bucks. And I don't even know how you do that.
1: Well, again, you have to be pretty inconsistent to do that. And what happens is, what generally speaking happens is teams that play you recognize the weaknesses, and take advantage of the weaknesses. Consequently, that part of your game seems to take even more of a hit on a weekly basis. And the parts of the team that maybe you were okay at or maybe you weren't, you know, as bad as as the first area get better because they don't mess with it. You know it's not it's not as big a weakness, so they say, "Hey, let's go ahead and do that. They run defense pass defense perfect example you know i i'm I don't know that they're actually number one run defense and and I'll be interested to find that out, but because people feel like they can throw the ball on', them, they don't bother running. you know why why beat your head against the wall? Let's just go in here and and pass a few times and go up and down the road and And uh, come out with a win that way.
0: I think what's cool about Tampa Bay is that in all of the things, like I would never pick Tampa Bay to go to the playoffs. I don't think Tampa Bay is a contender to do anything in the NFL. And yet I'm scared to death of them on Sunday. And that is the team that they are. Well, just
1: because of what, uh, what, just what we're talking about. You know, they got, we saw them hang 60 on the Rams. If they can hang 60 on the Rams, they can hang 60 on us. And, and by the same token, they can do that, or they can turn the ball over six times. Now, which one's it going to be? We don't know that.
0: I mean, I'm looking at their scores. They beat Carolina 20-14 to 14 on Thursday Night Football. That was one of the ugliest games I can remember. Uh, you know, Thursday Night Football traditionally has – ugly, but that was the game where I think we watched that, and we are like, Cam can't throw the ball anymore. And that was before Kyle Allen took over. Since then, they had their beat down of the Rams, but they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Saints, but it wasn't like they got killed by the Saints 31-24. So Tampa Bay, I mean, the the truth is if the Titans continue their trend of not turning the football over, I feel pretty good about winning the football game because I do think Jameis will continue his trend of turning the ball over. It's just with Tannehill, and you know he's going to try to force passes, and you know they know Tannehill's going to throw the ball I, I am scared to death of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they have so many big-time players that it just takes one or two of those big-time players to get going, and then all of a sudden, you play great football, but Mike Evans and Ndamukong Sue just took over the game, and you lose.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they have, you know, you look at, and and they're not running the ball particularly well. They're not awful, but they're not, not really. But, you know, throwing the ball, like you said, they're as good as, They've got a quarterback and and receivers as good as anybody's, you know, they can, when they're on, when things are working out and they can go out there and they can light it up, you know, by the same token, if they put pressure on and bang the quarterback around a little bit, then he's going to throw a, you know, a couple of interceptions makes all the difference in the world.
0: Why does Winston throw so many interceptions? Is that just part of who he is? Is that in his DNA? Is he just the definition of a gunslinger? Or is it the kind of offense they run? Because Arians was supposed to come in and kind of fix Jameis. And I think Arians is a good coach. But Jameis still is turning the ball over at an alarming rate.
1: And, and you know, Arians, I agree with you. I think he's a good coach. But he, he wants to put the ball down the field too. You know, which is what Jameis wants to do. He wants to throw the ball down the field. And, and all of that's good if you can complete them. But I think what's... The the problem they're running into is, you know, everybody knows that they want to put the ball down the field, so everybody's you know a step deeper. That safety is a little bit deeper, and you know the ball's thrown, and people are getting to it. Um, so you know they they need to they need to try to adjust that. But that is not Jameis. You know the two the difference between the two, and forget how they started out, but where they are, I think at this point in their careers. You know, Marcus is, uh, take your time, let's play action pass. You know, the farthest, the deepest pass I'm going to throw is going to be a seam to, you know, to Walker or something like that that's going to be 30 30 yards. Well, I mean, Jameis wants to go out there now. He wants to throw for 70 yards. You know, he wants the 80-yard touchdown. He wants the big, big plays. Uh, And they've been pretty good at it.
0: The other thing, too, Titans just announcing Adoree Jackson's going to be out this week. I don't know what that means. And Delaney Delaney Walker Walker,
2: out also, yeah. Yeah,
0: Delaney Walker, Adoree Jackson, Chris Milton, and Sharif Finch all out. By the way, Finch is starting to become an injury liability. But uh, a Jackson out, what's that mean about Mike Evans? And again, I mean, like, take Malcolm Butler, for example, who I don't think they're going to shadow Evans with Butler, but if they did... I mean, Evans is like a foot taller than Malcolm Butler. I mean, Evans, to me, is of all the guys that are going to scare you in any time you play the Bucs, Evans has to be number one. And he, like, if I'm the Bucs, my whole game plan is just throw it up to Evans every play.
1: I, I would guess, and I don't know this, but I would guess that they would put Logan on Evans and put Butler on the other guy, simply because Logan does such a good job of playing the ball. Evans isn't necessarily a speed guy. You know, he is, a, let's go down the field and jump up. And even though, you know, he's a foot taller than Logan is too, Logan is so competitive and has such a good sense for for getting the ball out and getting his hands on the ball and and some of those things that uh, that I would imagine when it came to all of those jump balls and, you know, let's just go down here and, Muscle underneath the basket kind of passes that Logan would have the best chance of, of helping him. The other guy, you know, is a little bit more of a, of a speedster. And, you know, I worry, I would worry more about him just running past somebody. So I'm going to assume again, I have no clue that that Butler ends up on him.
0: So the truth is, if you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you're going to have to, you're going to have to throw the ball. You're going to have to, Pretty much keep Jameis Winston the way he has been turning the football over. But more importantly, if you plan on making the playoffs, you're going to have to win this game. That being said, I'm scared to death of the Bucks, And I know Floyd's scared to death of the Bucs because Floyd would be afraid of Ezel Harding High School if that's who the Titans were playing. But this team, it scares you. Like, this team should scare you. Not that, they, that you should think that they're a good team, but they should scare you because they've got good players and all it takes is them to have a good game against you. And all of a sudden, the Titans are in trouble for the playoffs. So let's get rocking and rolling. We have not talked about the Bucks one iota this week. Probably in large part because they are not one of the more respected teams in the league. But let's get your phones in on a fireball hot take Friday. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Should we worry about the Bucks? Are you worried about the Bucks? All of that's on the table. Coming up next, why is it that the Bucks? in spite of all their high draft picks and all the things they do well, and I, how come they're always the same team every year? And is it fair for us to judge the Bucks that way? Because are, are the Titans the same way too? We'll discuss that next. Jared and the GM Fireball Hot Take Friday. We're live from the Wholesale Inc. Studio. Powered by RumbleOn.com. It's ESPN 1025 The Game and Streaming on the Game Nashville app. Coming
2: off the bye, do you have to be wary of... A trick player, too. I mean, our team's more likely to put something like that in. Yeah, extra- you know, I think that it's an opportunity for them to look at whatever tendencies they're doing and what they've been doing and showing, and say, "Hey, are we going to continue, or we don't want to change something up, or you know, am probably not going to change much in their run defense." And but I would imagine that there's going to be some wrinkles or some things that are new to to every week, and then especially with the bye week, with having a little bit extra time, I would imagine that we could potentially see something and we have to just prepare for, for the base stuff and then whatever else may come of it.
0: Add that to the stuff I'm worried about. The fact that the Bucks are coming off of a bye week and Floyd Reese, an embarrassing week in London, fireball hot take Friday. I am worried sick about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not that I think they're a good team, but just that I think they could beat you this week. Worried sick.
1: Well, and you should be. I mean, it's it's the next game coming up. And, uh, you know, in spite of what you want to think, in spite of how we try to label them, in spite of whatever, I mean, you know, every, we're at a point in time, I think, right now, where, you know, what, however we want to label other teams, they're labeling us the same way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we think, okay, this team is really inconsistent, well, the Titans are inconsistent. You know, they're struggling to... Uh, to get over the hump, uh, so are the Titans. They're struggling to uh, consistently win, Yeah, so are the Titans. So, you know, uh, I, think, I think just about anything that can be said, you kind of got to look in the mirror and, you know, you're probably looking right at yourself.
0: So I look so down on Tampa Bay. I do truly look down on Tampa Bay. I think of that franchise, and I know they won a Super Bowl, but I think they are a sad franchise and they have been for a long time five and 11 last year the season before that you know maybe they had a prayer because they were five and 11 then the year before that they were nine and seven so that that year they had a prayer under dirt cutter six and ten under lovey smith the year before they're always six and ten they're always five and eleven they're always in that range and i look so down on them i feel like they're an organization that doesn't have a clue like, I, I mean, I know you like the general manager there, Jason Light, and I don't know Jason Light, and I'm sure he is a good football guy, but outside of that, they're always changing coaches in Tampa Bay, they're always behind the Saints or the Falcons or Carolina, they're kind of a forgotten team in the league, and I want to just blanket uh, Tampa Bay with all this negativity, and then I ask myself, is that what people say about the Titans too? Like, I know the Titans haven't been 6-10 and 10 recently, but... Aren't they, don't they kind of look at the Titans that way? Like, if you're, if you're not a Titan fan, you look at it and you say, you know, they, people want to get excited about them, but they're always changing coaches, and they're always behind either Houston or Indianapolis. So, you know what? The Titans are the same every year, and we just don't think much of them. Is everything I'm saying about Tampa Bay almost the exact same about Tennessee? Uh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And and the truth is, that's what the same thing you could say about any team that's, that's not settled on a quarterback. You know, you, talk, you look at Cleveland, historically. What have they done? Well, we they're, they're awful. And why are they awful? Because they can't find a quarterback. What about uh, Jacksonville? Jacksonville's awful. Why are they awful? They can't find a quarterback. Buffalo, historically, has been awful. Why? Don't have a quarterback. Denver, recently awful. Why? Can't find a quarterback. I mean, it's you know it's all for basically the same reason you know any team that is struggling it's it's probably probably because they they are struggling to find a quarterback teams that aren't struggling you know new england do they have a quarterback you know does new orleans have a quarterback does you know you go through the teams that that have winning you know have been winning fairly consistently consistently and they all got a quarterback seattle got a quarterback yeah you know, Green Bay got a quarterback? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody.
0: Do you think that's all about the quarterback, though? All of Tampa's woes of the fact that Tampa has been a perpetual 6-10 and team over the last half decade, you know? And then they have the 1-9-7 year or whatever, but they also had that two-win season, so they are what they are. But do you think it's strictly quarterback-related is why Tampa is at that point?
1: Oh, largely, yeah. And and yeah, I mean the same with us, you know. You look at us over the last same amount of time. Locker, you know is that Vince his last couple of years. Locker, any any of these names Mettenberger, any of these names light you up, you know. Then you get to Marcus and you're open. It's Marcus just like they are open. It's Jameis, and uh, and you know if it's if it doesn't work then you're thrown right back into the to the blender. With everybody else, you're going to get chopped up again. So I mean,
0: I, just, I feel like my my opinion of the Titans is just not that low. And then when you lay it all out, it does feel a lot like you're Tampa Bay. It does feel a lot like you're all of these teams that, yeah, the Titans made the playoffs two years ago, but it, you know. Buffalo made the playoffs two years ago. It's like a lot of teams make the playoffs once every five years. Like the Redskins will make the playoffs occasionally, but nobody ever thinks that the Bengals are any good. And I, I just, I, from the inside looking out, I feel like the Titans aren't as lousy as those franchises. And then the more you really just place it down, you know, hey, what, what do all these, they constantly change the coach. Have the, have the Titans lately constantly change the coach? Yes. Unsettled at quarterback? Yes. Perpetually in the eight and eight range on some level or another, yes. I mean, as much as I want to, you know, crap on Tampa Bay. I mean, they well, and yeah, the these certainly these same, check a lot of the same boxes.
1: Yeah, these same franchises at points in time were coming. You know, Buffalo goes to four straight Super Bowls. Who was their quarterback? You know, Tampa wins a Super Bowl. Who was their quarterback? We've been to a Super Bowl. Brad who Johnson. was our who was our quarterback? You know, I mean, I think generally speaking, you look at it and, you know, at points in time where these these teams have had quarterbacks and or, or at least stability at the quarterback position that, um, you know, that they've found a way to win. But uh, but without a quarterback, man, it is hard, hard, hard.
0: Is Tampa Bay's – when you – now, I, I've gone game by game, but – I wonder if Tampa Bay's winning and losing is tied directly to Jameis Winston. Like, in these games where Jameis turns the ball over a bunch, do they for sure lose? And in the games where Jameis does not turn the ball over, do they for sure win? And I haven't looked at it. I haven't studied it like that. My gut's going to tell me the answer to that is yes.
1: Well, then my gut tells me the same. And there's going to be exception like here or there. first game but- of the
0: year, he turned it over Well, I was just saying the first game of the year, Winston, you know, when they're talking about turning it over – what's that? Oh, the first, uh, the the first, you know, part of the year, Winston turns the ball over five times against – or three times or whatever against, you know, a, a San Francisco. They lose that game. Jameis turns it over six times last week. They lose that game. I'm going to guess, and I haven't looked at what he did against the Rams – I'm going to guess Jameis Winston didn't turn it over when they scored 55 points against the Rams and beat them in Week 2.
1: And threw a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I remember seeing part of that game now. And every time, it wasn't like the Rams just backed off. You know, the Rams kept bouncing back, and you kept thinking, okay, here they come, Tampa's going to fade, then zing, here comes another 60-yarder, you know. And uh, and I remember I remember thinking, man, oh man, they're on fire. This may be, this may be that game that gets them over the hump, and uh, and hopefully it wasn't or hasn't been.
0: Goodness gracious! Twelve touchdowns, ten interceptions for Winston. That is that is something special against the Rams. Jameis twenty eight of forty one, three eighty five, four touchdowns and one interception. There you go. Their other win was against Carolina. Uh, earlier in the season, Jameis threw one touchdown, no interceptions. Why'd they win that game? Because Jameis didn't throw an interception. So they got to turn him over.
1: Yeah, I mean you got to you got to figure a way that and and the hard part, the thing about a guy like Jameis, in my opinion, this is the way I always thought, you can't go into a game expecting him to turn the ball over. You know, you can't go in there saying, okay, he's going to throw us one. I think you go in there playing your game. And hope that he throws you one at some point in time. And it's always like a bonus. You know, yeah, he threw us two. That's the, you know, bonus. Take it and be happy. Um, But, you know, part of your game plan can't be, okay, we're going to go in here and play to this level and let Jameis throw us two. Because if he doesn't throw two, your game plan's out the window.
0: My favorite part about this whole exercise is the more I think about Jameis. And I I really don't like Jameis. Like, I just, I, I really don't like watching him. I don't think he's really a great leader. I really don't think he's a great player. I, don't, I think he throws a bunch of picks. Uh, I think he's like a stat stuffer. Like, he'll throw 400 yards, but he'll turn it over six times. And yet, I mean, people could say the same stuff about Marcus. I mean, Marcus won't turn it over like that, but Marcus would never throw for 400 yards. So Marcus is roughly probably as bad as Jameis. Now, it it helps that Marcus isn't the starting quarterback of the Titans anymore but every time i just want to say something bad about tampa bay i almost have to require myself to look in the mirror and think about the titans and then that depresses me a little bit well, but again it, if you want to go to the playoffs you got to win this game
1: and you have to keep in mind that you know bruce arians and that whole philosophy is you know we're we're going for it every time out that's that's the way we're going to play and i think he does that and fits that and really wants to be that guy Um, And that's why he can go out one week and score 60 and then go out the very next week and throw six touchdowns or six interceptions because he's going for it. And, you know, it doesn't always work. And Marcus was, you know, not that, you know, Marcus was never going to throw for for six touchdowns or score 60 points, but he was never going to throw six interceptions either.
0: Let's take more phone calls, 615-737-1025 on a fireball hot take Friday, 615-737-1025. Derek Henry faces a big challenge, a stat I was stunned to hear on Derek Henry. We'll get to that next, but faces a huge challenge, Tampa Bay number one in the league in rushing defense. But Mike Vrabel says they're still going to have to run the ball. One, can they do that? And two, this amazing stat about Henry I was unaware of. We'll get to you next, Jared and the GM. Right here on a Fireball Hot Take Friday, it's ESPN 1025 the game.
2: They're ranked number 1, I guess in run defense and 32 in pass defense. But I mean, what's showing up on a consistent basis when you watch them play defense? They really do a nice job to defend the run in both in a scheme and and the players that they have, the technique that they use to defeat blocks, to tackle. And it's a good tackling defense. You know, they're big inside, active. They're very talented. You know, it's a young secondary probably. You know, with, with some different pressures and scheme and, you know, but I know that they, they play hard. They can pressure the quarterback and, and, and it's going to be a challenge to to run the football.
0: That was Mike Vrabel and I was watching the Mike Vrabel Coaches TV show, Floyd. And that I mean, that show really doesn't, my favorite, I, I, you're going to hate this. My favorite part of the Mike Vrabel Coaches TV show on this Fireball Hot Take Friday, you know what my favorite part of that show is? What? where they put up a baby picture of the player and Vrabel has to guess which player it is. Uh, that's my favorite part of the show. That's how uninformative I find that show to be at times. But they do have Mike Vrabel's keys to the game on the coach's TV show. And the last key was, Tampa's number one against the run defense and we still got to find a way to run the ball. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, I I like games like Derrick Henry had last week where he grinds out 90 yards, and I feel like that's a pat on the back for him. I'm not ready to sit there and say he should be able to run the ball against the number one run defense in the league. But I saw a stat, which I was kind of stunned by. Do you know Derrick Henry is the ninth leading rusher in the history of the Tennessee Titans organization?
1: Tennessee Titans?
0: And Oilers which I know according to your $100 fake bet doesn't count, but it all counts the same. <laughs> Derrick Henry is ninth. <laughs> Derrick, Henry, Derrick Henry is ninth. He's moved into the top ten. This is according to the Titans. Uh, Eddie George, Earl Campbell, Chris Johnson, Lorenzo White, Hoyle Granger, Steve McNair is sixth. If that gives you any idea of, you know, how the yeah. Titans running back history is, the quarterback is sixth. Mike Rozier. Charles Tolar and Derrick Henry nine with Ronnie Coleman ten. So Derrick Henry is top ten in the entire franchise. I have no I mean, Vrabel can say on the coaches show all he wants that they're gonna have to run the ball. If they got the 32nd pass defense and they've got the number one run defense, don't you think this needs to be Ryan Tannehill's game more than it needs to be Derrick Henry's?
1: Well, yeah, but that's not our game. You know, we don't win doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not a we're not a passing team. And and you know, if we go in there and think that, you know, we're going to have Tannehill throw it 45 times and he's, you know, we're going to be successful across the board. I think we're fooling ourselves. I mean, I agree with Mike. We have to go in there with the same plan we have all the time. Adjust it a little bit. Now, these guys inside are really big.
0: Talking about you Sue know, and Sue, Vita Veya? Sue
1: and Veya. Um, Veya is, is, you know, bigger than all outdoors. And uh, and you just can't move those guys. Those guys, are, but you get to the corner or get to the edges, and they're a little bit smaller. And if you can get to the second level, they are really small. So you know their linebacker group is not very big at all, but they can run like the wind. So you know, we're, I would guess and this is just a guess that we're going to have to change some of the plays that we run. You know, to keep away from those two guys, but. Um, you know, if we can find a way to get to the second level with Derek, I mean Derek is bigger than and I haven't looked at the at the stats, but I'm gonna say he's bigger than all their linebackers. And uh, and so he's gonna you know, if we can get to the second level, I think he's gonna be able to overpower a couple of those guys.
0: I mean I worry though about those in the inside of the Titans offensive line versus in Domican and Vita Vea. Yeah,
1: Vea I mean Sue is. We know what he is. You know. I mean, he's he's a good player. Was was an all star, uh, but Vea is. Just, I don't know anything about Vea. Oh God, he is like trying to move a dump truck. I mean, he is massive, big, thick guy.
0: I remember when the Redskins. God bless Trevor, and I love Trevor, and we love Trevor. I remember when the Redskins took the other D tackle instead of Vita Vea. And uh, they took the guy from Alabama, Payne. And they took Payne instead of Vea or whatever. And Trevor's like, I think the pick of Payne is much better than Vea for all these reasons. And I'm like, I don't know, Trevor. They're talking a lot about Vea on TV. You know, he's... Uh so I, I totally even forgot the guy existed until Vrabel kept talking about him this week. But apparently, according to you, he's rock solid. So, oh, yeah, he's good. I mean, I just... I don't know. Like, you know that they know not to run the ball up the middle, which means that Tampa Bay Bulls is going to not let them run the ball outside, force them to run the ball up the middle, and then Nate Davis is going to get eaten alive. Well, we can't. That.
1: We're not going to be able to become one-dimensional, you know, in this thing. I mean, we have to guard against that because we've, you know, I don't know if JPP is going to be back this week, but they're talking about him being back. If he's back, and they have the number one rusher in the league, and we're one-dimensional, I mean, it's it could be a long day. You
0: long know. day for Tannehill. Let's go to your phone, 615-737-1025 on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. We got a lot to get to. Is Pat on there? Oh, I thought we had Pat up there. He wanted to get on a Mariota. I, I am convinced that in this football game, if Jameis Winston beats the Titans – it will be like a double punch to the gut. Like, and I don't know why, because it's not like you had the opportunity to be able to draft Jameis Winston. Like I remember when they the first year, the Tennessean kept running like every week. Where does Marcus Mariota compare to Jameis Winston? And I kept saying, Why does it matter in Nashville where they compare? Because the Titans did not get to choose between the two. But if the Titans lose this game, Floyd, for some reason, it will feel like a double gut punch even though they never, it wasn't like they passed on Winston to draft Mariota.
1: Well, you, you, it's always the same, you know, in a situation like that, you're looking for the quarterback, looking for a quarterback, whoever is, is dropped to you. You are thrilled to death with, you know, we're so excited. We thought for sure he'd be the one they'd pick and we're so happy. We got in. I mean, that's all you can do. You know, that's, that's the end of it. But it's it's like Manning and Leaf, you know. Poor Bobby Beathard gets stuck with Leaf because, you know, I'm sure, and I don't want to speak for Bobby. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to guess he would have rather had Peyton too, but didn't work out. So you end up with Leaf. You got to have a quarterback, and so you you get one, and then you spend the rest of your career trying to make up for it.
0: I'm so torn on this. You got to have a quarterback thing. I I mean I agree. But then I wonder why you don't just take five quarterbacks every year and then see if one of those guys can play.
1: Well, yeah, except then you end up with only a quarterback. (laughs) That wouldn't work either.
0: Okay, if you were to take over a team as a GM and your option was you either get the quarterback, uh, but then you have to build the team around the quarterback, or you get a super stud team, but now you have to find the quarterback, which one do you think would be harder as a GM?
1: well it's going to be from a number standpoint i mean it's it's harder to get the the rest of the team put in you know because you want i mean in theory you want all the pieces in place but it's really really hard to do and and the more mature your team gets the better your team gets then it becomes easier and you look at us let's let's just say for the sake of argument that um that Conklin and Jones and Safford and LeWan are okay. Well, instead of going into this next draft looking for, you know, a couple of guards and maybe something else, you go in there saying, hey, I need one guard. I need a guard. Let's just make sure we come out with a guard. Yeah, You look at uh, the defense. You know, what does the defense really need? You know, a pass rusher. Okay. What else do you need? You know, I mean, you can you can narrow it down to where now you go into a to a draft saying to yourself, OK, I need three things in this draft. And I used to say this. If we had, let's say, nine picks, I'd say we need three things. OK, we'll take three of each. Uh-huh. Now we'll go in, know, And if it's a, if it's a guard, we're going to take three guards. It's a pass rusher. We're going to take three pass rushers. And we got, you know, figuring you're going to hit on one of those guys, and then you'll be okay.
0: Is that how you draft uh, Antoine Odom and Travis LeBoy, I think both, like, in the second round in the same year. And to say, it's like, pass rusher, pass rusher.
1: Yeah, no, it, it really wasn't. But that's, the, you know, that's the that's what happens to you. Is you get down there and you got, you know, you need a pass rusher. And you say, okay, who's out there? Who's out there that we like? Well, we like these guys. Okay.
0: Coming up next, 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. Pecorine shuts out the Minnesota Wild last night. What did we think of it? We'll get to that next. And, of course, later in the show, as far as the Preds are concerned, we'll get to the Hal Gill line of demarcation, 10 games. Where do we evaluate? Hal says you cannot evaluate the Predators until after 10 games. Well, they have played 10 games, so we will discuss that later in the show as well. Uh, and we'll also have tons of Titans to get to as well. Jared the GM, Fireball, Hot Take Friday, CSPN 1025, the game. Time runs out on this one as Pecarine has his 56th career shutout, his fifth against Minnesota. Predators wow. win it 4-0. Pecarine with a shutout last night against Minnesota. Floyd Reese, you must have loved last night's game.
1: Uh, you know what? I thought P.E.K.K.A., I mean, the first qu- first period, I thought we were, you know, pretty average. Except for P.E.K.K.A. Mm-hmm. And P.E.K.K.A. was outstanding. And that kind of got us into the second and third where we came to life. And uh, and once we came to life, we were okay.
0: So the reason I think you love this game is for three reasons. You want to know all three reasons? I li- you laid out one, which is P.E.K.K.A., which... Anytime he plays well is like, you know, the equivalent of the star quarterback going out there and having a great game, which you seem to love. So Pekka is obviously the number one reason why I think you liked the game yesterday. You know the other reasons why I think you liked the game yesterday? No. Number two is because where did the scoring come from? It came oh, from all, all over all, the place, yeah. It came from Salamaki. Yeah. It came from Yarncroke. It came from Smith. It came from Sissons. And you kept saying, you know, hey, can the down-the-line guys keep putting the puck in the net? And you, that was your what-to-watch-for last night was, was you know, can the guys who are not the superstars come through for the team? And last night, you got Salamaki, you got Sissons, and Craig Smith finally scored. Your guy. Finally scored. <laughs> Which, you know what, I like Craig Smith, and so, you know, I'm glad. He's he's an all-right player. You know, he's not a bad player. He's an all-right player. He's a decent player, and so it was good to see him get off the schneid. And the third reason I think you probably loved the game yesterday, and I didn't watch a second of Thursday Night Football last night, I'm going to guess that football game was very boring. I was at the Preds game last night. Great atmosphere, great crowd. I had no interest in Vikings, Redskins, and I saw the final score, and I go, that is almost exactly what I would have imagined Vikings, Redskins to be like. So even though you're a football guy, and I'm sure you were flipping back and forth last night, I bet the football game bored you so much that it was another reason that you loved last night's hockey game.
1: Well, I, the football game wasn't all that bad. I mean, it was cl- halftime 6-6, you know. So, I mean, it was, it was tight. And, uh, and not until, you know, probably halfway through the third quarter where, where Minnesota came down and scored a touch did it start getting away. But uh, Washington's got some defense now. They're, they're a better, much better defensive team than, than you, you let on. But, so which uh,
0: game did you, did you study more, the Preds game or the Thursday night game? If you had to say study? your attention was focused more last night of those two games, which one would you say it was?
1: Well, I mean probably the I, I didn't get much out of the first period of the hockey game. You know, oh, I, mean, I didn't why, either. I didn't that, feel uh, So of that. I mean it was just PECK to me. Uh so you know, probably probably the football. But but it was close.
0: I mean, I got a couple of thoughts. Number one, that that wild team is so wretched. I mean, they are so bad.
1: They're a little shaky.
0: <laughs> they are awful. And I was watching it last night and I'm like, good lord. They're so they, bad. Yeah. You know what you know what my biggest takeaway was last night? So, like, the vibe that I get, and nobody has told this to me, so it's not like I have a source where I'm, I'm going on the record and saying that I believe because my sources are telling me. So let me state for the record that I have not had anybody tell me this. I'm just lining up the tea leaves. It looks like David Poyle's trying to line this up so he can turn it over to his son when he retires and his son can take over as general manager, which, when or if that happens, that will be a whole other thing if that ever happens. But if Paul Fenton was still here, do you guys think the Predators would have almost been compelled to have made Paul Fenton the general manager if and when Poyle retired? Because there's a lot of people that thought. Now, I don't think this, but I heard this, that there was a chance if they had won the cup, Poyle would have retired. Again, I don't believe that, but I, I just somebody threw it out there as a suggestion. I If that's the case, would they have felt almost like, you know, Paul Fenton's been assistant general manager here for 500 years, And, you know, he's as qualified as you can get. Let's turn it over to Fenton because I watched last night and I'm like, oh, my God, keep Paul Fenton as far away from my team as physically possible. That wild team is horrible. They are trash.
1: Well, and some of the things that we've heard, you know, and and I certainly don't know (laughs) if any of them are true uh, about Fenton in in Minnesota. They were not very appealing, you know, they weren't very pretty. And so I I would hope that somebody would investigate all that.
0: I mean, how do you get canned after one year in the NA? I mean, like as a one-year general manager to get canned, that's like being, that's like Josh Rosen one year in Arizona and gets traded. That that almost never happens. But again, uh, you know, that wild team was terrible. So, I mean, last night's game is, to me, this is how I would define it. I went to the game last night. I had an absolute blast. My friend had a blast. We enjoyed it. Ryan was sitting right in front of us. Kyle Turris whiffed on a shot on the power play, and I yelled out, you're going to pay what you owe, Kyle Turris, and Ryan started chuckling. Uh, And everybody there had a good time last night at the game. And the Predators got two points, and Pekka got a shutout. And all these guys who don't usually score scored, which is good. It'll pad their stats, and we'll never think about this game ever again except for that.
1: Got, got another shorthanded goal.
2: Although, and, I, uh, although I don't like Duchesne leaving the game with yeah, an yeah, injury. He might, he, might in, what, he
1: might be injured.
0: Did we ever figure out what the deal with that was?
2: No. Nah, uh, you know, LaViolette didn't have an update after the game. We'll have to see what the morning skate looks like tomorrow since they're traveling today.
0: LaViolette will never have an update for us on any of that. Nope. I mean, the idea of LaViolette telling us whether or not a guy's hurt is like the de- like you got a better chance of Rabel telling you what the game plan is going to be than you do of LaViolette telling you whether or not a guy's hurt. He will never tell you that. But I will say this. If Deshane and Forsberg are both going to miss some time, one of two things is going to happen. Either the Predators are going to keep rolling and keep lighting up the scoreboard, and if that's the case, then the Predators might be really doggone good this year, or the production's going to fall off a cliff and we're going to be sitting there holding hands, praying for those two guys, at least one of those two guys to get back. And I, I think the second one is probably more likely than the first one. But, I mean, I got, I got a little, and, you know, we'll get to this when we get to Hal Gill's 10-game line of demarcation. But this kind of, I know it's early. It's got a little President's Trophy team feel to me. Not that they could win it this year or anything like that, but just kind of reminds me of the President's Trophy team. I get a little President's Trophy feel from this team like the team 2 years ago.
1: And I'll say this, if those guys are injured and they're going to miss some time, you know, there's probably no better time to be injured and miss time than right now.
0: Although Kyle Turris got injured and missed all this time and then all everybody never about Never came back. Yeah, but Yeah, last but even year PK, was, well, you know, you know hurt. PK
1: missed and then, you know, it took him a while to get back, but finally got back. So, I mean, I, I don't you certainly don't want him to get hurt, you know, 2 weeks before the playoffs.
0: Well, it's like Ryan Ellis two years ago missed the entire first half of the season. Nobody like, I mean, nobody noticed. Yeah. It was like, welcome back, Ryan Ellis, and here's an eight-year contract. And the guy missed the first half of the season. That's how good the President's Trophy team was. And that, I think, goes back to my little President's Trophy theory, is that like, if this team is that good, then they could lose these two guys. Because the one thing the President's Trophy team did was they got contributions from literally everybody almost every night. And last year's team, they didn't really get much from Yarn Croak, and they didn't get much from turris and they didn't get much from Smith. They didn't get much from Fiala. Like, they didn't get much from, like, 90% of the team last year. And this year's team, Floyd, to your point, the thing you've kind of been harping in on is they're scoring across all four lines. It's Salamaki who's scoring. It's Sissons. It's, you know, it's the down-the-line guys, as you like to say, and not just Arvidson. Scoring three times every and time.
1: Sizens wasn't it Sizens that got the short goal again last night? Yeah,
0: Sissons is crushing it two, on those two, shorties,
1: two in a row,
0: killing it. So again, I mean, last night's game, fun game, good game. I can't take any of that. I mean, that Minnesota team is just so bad that I I don't know what else to take from it other than please don't bring Paul Fenton back. I'm sure it's not in the uh, in the cards for Paul Fenton to return, especially when you hear the stories about why he got let go in minnesota but i i just would like to say after watching that minnesota team please do not bring paul fenton (laughs) and you know how i feel about the coach there i think the guy is a colossal pants pooper but i can't blame any of this on him i got nothing i got nothing but love for bruce boudreau now watching him try to coach that team 615-737-1025 fireball hot take friday coming up next delaney walker is out how big of a deal is that? Also, Adoree Jackson's out. We'll touch on that as the Titans get ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jared and the GM. Right here, it's EA Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025, the game.